Welcome to Not Your Mama's Relief Society podcast, where we are kicking the culture to the curb and embracing real talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter what, you are welcome here. So put your differences aside, pull up a chair, and let's talk about the kind of love he taught us. Hey guys, if you listened to episode 10, then you heard the conversation with Jessica Jackson. She is the Thriving in Motherhood podcast host, and we talked a little bit about her spiritual experiences and also her virtual summit that she put on called Soaring Mother Summit. And I actually got to speak at that and talk about cultivating confidence, which was amazing. And I also want to tell you about the planner and the journal that she has created to help moms. So the planner is really cool because it's designed to help you create a vision for the year and then make that vision a reality in the way that matches motherhood, right? Like it's flexible. You can have progress in small pockets of time and it allows for unpredictable things to pop up because that's motherhood, right? Things are always popping up. But she has this really cool way she walks you through that every 90 days you have a goal and a project and you break it down further each month to accomplish those goals and it allows you to kind of keep all the all the things in your brain kind of in one place so you can kind of organize all those things and create the vision you want for your motherhood and then her journal is also awesome because it guide you through a way to just a simple practice every day to be recording your life and recording the way that God is a part of your life. So there's a plan portion, an ask section that where like you can prep emotionally and spiritually and there's a reflect section. So at the end of the day, you can kind of celebrate, recognize the good, have gratitude and just have this really impactful way to record your life. So if you want to know more, there's a link in my bio to get to her website and you can learn more about where you can order these products and start to have a tool that will help you thrive in your motherhood. And I hope you enjoy this next episode. Welcome back. So today I'll be sharing about my son Evan's story. So back in episode six, I had talked about my daughter Charlotte and her hospital experience and the miracles we had with her and, you know, just the amazing things that happened. And I felt it was time to share Evan's story and to talk more about the miracle that he is and the miracles he brings into my life and fair warning I will probably get emotional in this episode because just preparing this episode I got pretty emotional um but here in Not Your Mom's Relief Society we encourage emotion right so it's gonna be great but I just wanted to give that preface that I may get very emotional so Evan is eight years old he loves music he loves movies he loves Star Wars he loves animals he loves Jesus he loves his family He is such a cool kid, and he has autism, and he is probably one of the sweetest kids you will ever meet in your life. Um, He's basically my hero, but there have been a lot of challenges and a lot of difficult things that have come from being his mom. Um, Challenges that I wouldn't trade for anything, and sometimes it's hard to talk about Evan and his story because I don't ever want anyone to misinterpret the pains and the heartache that I go through as his mom as something negative because all the things I've experienced with him I know they're there for a reason and I know that it's how it's meant to be and I wouldn't trade any of it sometimes it's difficult but that doesn't mean that I don't love him or that I don't love being his mom so I would imagine that most moms when they're pregnant they dream about what they think their baby will be like and they have these visions of their in their head of you know what's the 
sugar and spice and everything nice and you know snails the puppy dog tails for boys like you have these ideas in your head about how your kid's gonna be and are you gonna be a soccer mom or a ballet mom or you know we expect our kids to make friends and have play dates and go on sleepovers and go to birthday parties I know that I did I know that I expected my life to be a certain way and so you're imagining this life you're imagining this kid and then you're handed a different child in a different light than you expected to have and I had to go through a grieving process of that, like to grieve the loss of the life I thought I was going to have and the child I thought I was going to have. I got a kid that I love dearly and I wouldn't trade him for anything, but it doesn't change the fact that I had to grieve what I thought I was going to get. And in that grieving and in that heartache and in that pain, I was able to heal and to move forward and to be more present for my son because I did that process. Looking back, I can see that Evan was different just from the day he was born. I remember meeting him and it was like this old soul connection. Like, we've already known each other for a long time. What's up, man? Like, welcome welcome to earth, you know? It was a very different feeling than the, dip, the feeling I had of my daughter. But it was just interesting looking back now that, you know, we just have known each other for eons of time. And it just was finally our time to hang out on earth together. But I remember he wanted to nurse constantly. And I'm a brand new mom. Like, what do I know about anything? And the nurse was like, oh, you can't give him a passy because it causes nipple confusion. And you can't do that and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I'm just taking her word as gospel truth because I don't know freaking anything. So I don't want to give him a pacifier, but he is nursing constantly. And it became very apparent that he wasn't hungry because he would nurse and then spit it all up and then nurse and then keep some down and then nurse, spit it up, nurse, spit it up, nurse, spit it up. And he did that constantly. And I'm like, the dude is not hungry, but I can't give him a passy. And I remember vividly, I remember being in front of the TV at like 2 or 3 a.m. I'm just like so sore. My body hurts. He just will not stop. And I'm watching Netflix Netflix and crying and just like, can I just give this kid back? Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. It was terrible. I was a mess. And I remember thinking like, I, he can't nurse anymore. Like, I'm so sore. I can't do this. So I just stuck my pinky in his mouth. Homie was satisfied for like an hour. Like, he was fine. I'm like, he doesn't want food. He just wants to suck. I don't know what to do here. So I got through that horrendous night. Next day, we go to the doctor, and the doctor's like, yeah, you can give him a pacifier. The only reason you don't is that they're not latching, but he's latching just fine. Great. Pop that passy in. Homie didn't give it up till he was four years old. Like, he was obsessed. So he's always had these, like, sensory things around his mouth, and... You know, there's just these little things that were different from about him from the very beginning. Around like 15, 16 months was when his dad started noticing signs and he brought them to my attention. And at first I was very resistant. Like, no, my baby's perfect. There's nothing wrong with him. I don't want to hear it. But then we started talking about different things and he started pointing out like there's lack of eye contact and, you know, there's kind of just some things that are different and... So then he talked me into taking the MCHAT online, which is kind of this like pre-screening for autism. And we take the test and it showed him as high risk, which was hard to hear, but we were determined to help support our son however he needed. So I took him to the doctor and I told her these signs like, 
when we point at something, he doesn't look and he's not pointing anything out to us and he's not making eye contact and these different things. And she said to wait till he was two. Okay, so we wait till he's two. At age two, he gets his first official diagnosis. And that was difficult, but I had spent some time kind of working through this process of like, my son is not like other kids and my life is not going to look like my friend's life and my other friends that are brand new moms have a very different experience from me and that's okay so I had some time to kind of get to that place a little bit more but I kind of had another kind of grieving episode around this time of like yep there's officially something different about my child and my life is going to be different now and year two to three when from age two to age three was so hard with Evan he couldn't communicate with his words and he would just get really angry with us. And I mean, can you imagine how maddening it would be not to be able to express yourself, like to have all these things in your mind and not be able to be understood and to not be able to share what you want to say. I mean, I've thought about that often and I can imagine how painful and hard it is for him. So back then I taught him to take my hand and try to show me what he wanted. And sometimes that worked, But it didn't really work when it was late in the middle of the night when he would just wake up crying and he couldn't figure out like how to express things to us and he would just take my hand and just drag me around the house like from room to room to room. We never really got anywhere and I didn't know what he wanted and his dad and I would get in fights over this constantly and it was just draining for everybody. No one's getting sleep and Evan's just frustrated. I mean this sleep deprivation Guys, it got to me. Like, it is a real form of torture. (laughs) It's so bad. Like, nobody slept until Evan was five, I think. I mean, it was just a long road. Both kids had sleep apnea, had tonsils and adenoids removed. Like, the sleep issue has been an issue for us for a long time. But back then, it was so difficult because I didn't know what he wanted. He wanted something, and he couldn't verbalize it. And I just had no idea how to help him. And... It was so discouraging because I have a son that I don't know how to help. I have a daughter recovering from surgery and a marriage that is falling apart. And it was dark. It was a really dark year. I had a lot of dark thoughts. I felt very alone. Not only was sleep hard, but he wouldn't transition into like real food. He would only do pureed food, like baby food. And if you've ever worked with a kid with autism or been around one or have one or know one, you know that this isn't just like being a picky eater. Like there's like a lot of sensory issues and it's really tough for them to overcome, you know, these things about eating. And I didn't know much about that at the time. I just tried my best to do what I could for him. And I just felt like I was failing every day. And I didn't know how. I didn't know how to help. So, in addition to the sleeping and the feeding, he had a lot of sensory needs that I didn't know how to handle. Like, he would run into walls or walk on rocks on purpose. And he just needed lots and lots of rough play. And he was seeking out this, like, deeper input in his body. But I didn't know any of that. I had no idea. And... We were working with AZIP at the time, which is Arizona's early intervention program, and it really was not helpful. They didn't give Evan therapy. They said, I'm here to coach you on how to help Evan. I'm like, 
how am I supposed to help Evan? I don't know how to do any of this. And he needed help in so many areas. And I remember this one gal, she handed me a list of occupational therapy activities. At the time, I didn't know what occupational therapy was. I had no idea. So she handed me these activities and said, try them all out and see which one works best. You guys, there was like 30 to 40 activities on there. I'm like, I'm supposed to try all of these and figure out what helps? How do I even know it's helping? She said, oh, just try them out. So I am so overwhelmed and I feel so unqualified to be Evan's mom. Like, how could I possibly help him in all of these areas and still care for my sweet daughter who had recently had surgery and also during this time, their dad would work out of town for like a week every month. So I was literally alone with these babies and all their troubles and all their trials by myself in this house and I just felt so alone and so inadequate I felt like I was failing every day and I just want you to know that if you feel that way or if you have felt that way or if you're feeling that way right now I want you to know that you are not alone and that God loves you so much and that you are capable of doing whatever it is he needs you to do Because if I can manage the things that God has given me with his help, then I know that anything that God puts in your path, he will help you and that you are capable. I promise. And because Heavenly Father is so good, he sent me a lot of tender mercies and a lot of miracles. And that's what I want the bulk of this episode to be about is the miracle that is my son and the miracles that God gives me. Every day, like there are so many things that he does for me and I am so amazed at how good he is to me, but I know that I have those things there because then I can be a witness of God's goodness. And um, anyway, and I think the reason Evan's story is more emotional for me is because it's ongoing. Like obviously Charlotte is way better now with her physical condition. She has other trials and other things and she's a kid. She has hard things, right? But With Evan, this trial is not going away anytime soon. Like, this is something that he and I will both be experiencing and our family will be experiencing the rest of our lives. And so I think that's why it's more emotional for me to talk about because it's still going and it's still happening where Charlotte's seven now. And so that horrible experience and that miraculous experience we had was years ago. Um, Anyway, so I want to tell you more about the tender mercies and the miracles that have happened in my life because of Evan. So one of those tender mercies was being reminded of a book called Expecting Adam by Martha Beck. And I remember reading it like years and years before this and being so touched by the story and really thinking that this book was going to be important in my life. And the book is about a woman who is a Harvard student and she's working on her graduate degree. And at the time, she believed that babies with deformities should be aborted. That that was the humane thing to do. But then she finds out she's pregnant. And she starts to have these amazing miracles happen to her. And then she finds out that her baby has Down syndrome. And that she has even more miracles happen. And she's told that she needs to keep this baby. 
And it was really hard for her and her husband because they had to deal with the backlash they got from their Harvard community because they all had very similar beliefs as them. And they have the baby anyway. And she tells all these beautiful stories about how everything she learned at Harvard was garbage and that everything important in her life she learned from her quote-unquote retarded son. And this became a favorite for me. And I was so moved by Adam and how he changed his family and how he changed how they see the world. And there was just this little seed planted in my heart about special needs children. And I did wonder if I would have one someday. And I just knew that book was going to be important for me. And so he reminded me of this book after I had Evan. And he reminded me of these tender feelings I had back then. And I felt like he had been telling me that he was preparing me for this part of my life, that it wasn't on accident, that it was on purpose, and that he was preparing me to be his mom. Another tender mercy that Heavenly Father gave me was that he taught me something. Because around this time that I'm, you know, my, my dark black year, I was bawling my eyes out, just feeling so sad for how my life had turned out and how I didn't know how I could possibly meet all of Evan's needs. And that I didn't have the education and the training to help him. I don't have like six master's degrees and all these specialized therapies. And I just felt buried in worry and fear. And it was almost like this light bulb came on and I just saw everything differently. I went from this despair place to this place of hope because I felt this like voice inside me tell me, I don't expect you to have five master's degrees. You don't have to do this all by yourself. You just have to hire five people with those degrees to help him in those areas. Your job is to love him and to advocate for him and to be his voice. And I've taken that job really seriously. I've spent countless hours researching and interviewing providers and caregivers and therapists. And I have fired several of them before I found the very best team for Evan. And some of those team members we've had for years. Like his occupational therapist, we've been with her for four years. And his BCBA has been with us for five years. Um, Side note, BCBA is a fancy way of saying a supervisor a master's degree over an ABA program. And an ABA program is applied behavioral analysis. I know it's all alphabet soup, but ABA helps kiddos on the spectrum to learn goals. And then the BCBA is over that program and helps facilitate those goals. So our BCBA has been a part of our life for five years and she's part of our family now. Um, But the point is, is that I worked so hard to find the humans we have in our life right now to help Evan And it was powerful for me to learn that I don't have to do this by myself, that I was never meant to do it by myself, and that it is a very powerful village that I've created for him. And I'm so proud of that. I'm proud of that because it's what Evan needs. And that that's my job is to find him the right people and to love him and to advocate for him. Then I want to do that job well. Another tender mercy from Evan is how He has taught me so much about love and compassion and he himself has so much compassion and empathy and I used to joke that he has more empathy than most adults do but now I really believe that we all have so much compassion and empathy inside of us that's we're made from love and that's who we are. It's just that sometimes we have blocks to it or we've shut off our hearts to protect ourselves or whatever but Evan is just 
pure and unfiltered in his love for people. And I remember when he was like three or so and he came into my room and he saw me crying and my marriage was really rough and we fought a lot and I'd get really discouraged and I would try to keep my emotions away from my kids, but that wasn't always possible. And he walked in and I didn't even have it in me to try to pretend I was okay in front of him. And he wrapped his little arms around my neck and he patted my back and said, it's okay, mom. It's okay. I was blown away with his love and his care for me. And it was so sweet to see him repeat what I would do for him. Because when he was having big upsets, I would rub his back and tell him in a soothing voice, like, it's okay. It's okay. He has shown love and compassion for people in so many ways. He is fiercely protective of his sister. He gets really mad at me if I make her cry you know, because she can't have candy before dinner or whatever. But anyway, he just, he loves her. He protects her, which I thought was because they're just close in age. But um, I was told that that isn't always typical for kids on the spectrum. Now, keep in mind, every autistic person is different. And that's not true for everybody. But it can be typical for them to not have that connection with their siblings. So it's really special for him that he is so loving towards his sister and he just loves everyone around him and he's concerned about them and concerned about their well-being and that kind of love and compassion has been a huge example to me. Something really great about Evan is his sense of humor and that's also been a tender mercy for me because humor is important to me and I think it's easy to relate and connect over humor. So it's been really fun to see that sense of humor in him and to have it come out more and more. We're having to teach him appropriate ways to gain someone's attention with humor, but like flashing people does not work and you got to tell a joke instead or whatever. But um, he and I made up a joke together. He loves to tell people this joke. He says, what do cows like to do? And you say, what? And he says, they like to watch movies. Anyway, he thinks it's hilarious, loves to tell people this joke, loves to make people laugh. So if you ever get to meet him, ask him to tell you a joke. But he just says funny things and does funny things. And he loves to watch movies. And it's so fun to watch him watch a new movie because he gets so excited and so happy about it. Like, it's just this raw, unfiltered joy like he is just so excited and so happy about watching this movie and it's just hilarious it makes a lot of the hard parts not so hard that we have these moments to laugh together and to be together in that way like one time he told me mom use a toilet and I'm gonna flush you and <laughs> I don't know why either one of us thought it was so funny but we both just started cracking up laughing and you know when you get in those modes where like you laugh so hard you can't breathe and like you can't stop laughing about it and he loved that. And it was so cute to see him be so excited about that connection with me. And that he will try so hard to find funny things to say or funny things to do because he just loves to make me laugh. And, like, one time he was, like, under a blanket and pretending to be a ghost. And he was like, ooh, whatever. I was like, oh, no, a ghost. Oh, no, like, playing along or whatever. And then he pulls it off and he's like, Mom, it's just me. You're supposed to call Ghostbusters. If you really thought it was a ghost, you got to call the Ghostbusters. <laughs> He's just fun and awesome, and that is also a huge tender mercy that there's a sweet way for us to connect with each other. Evan has also taught me a lot about courage and 
just the things he has to face on a daily basis and that he still finds joy anyway and he still works hard anyway he is just an amazing example to me of courage and that has been a tender mercy as well for me to have such an amazing example of courage and for me to be pushed into a place where I have to be brave when I'm standing up for him or advocating for him or making these choices it's pushing me into learning how to have more courage and to exercise that trait and I remember when he was first starting preschool at age three and he was scared about going obviously he's little and it's new and it's different and so we had gone over to the school and kind of showed him the classroom and met his teacher and kind of you know took pictures and made the social story and kind of prepped him for this moment but it was still scary for him and again he can't really talk and explain any of this but I can just sense it in him I can see it in his face he's so scared to have to leave mom and the bus starts coming towards our house and I can see he's scared and I'm talking to him about you know buddy you can do this and you know mom's always with you and I love you and I remember him like having this fear on his face but I remember just the determination I saw in him where he just He put on that backpack and he got on that bus. Even though he was scared, he just did it. And I remember that touched me so much because I thought, you know what? How many times in my life do I just need to put on my backpack and get on the bus? Like, just do it. Just be brave. Get it done. And that story has stuck with me for years. And I just, I'm amazed at how much courage this little boy has and how every day has probably got to be hard for him. He can't express deeper emotions yet. He can express a lot more than he could before. But I would imagine that every day is hard for him. And he shows up and he loves people and he's courageous anyway. And what a miracle that is that he's able to do that. And that he's such an example to me and to his family about what courage looks like. And how courage doesn't mean you're not scared. Courage just means you face fear and you do it anyway. And he has been such an amazing example of that. And then the last tender mercy I want to share is how, because I'm Evan's mom, I have learned so much about how to celebrate everything, to celebrate every win, every milestone, everything we accomplish, to just celebrate and to be happy and joyful about the things we overcome. Because there's been a lot of major milestones for him. Like being able to get potty trained by age five was long and hard for me, but I know that in the grand scheme, there are kids on the spectrum who are teenagers who are not potty trained. And so that was a miracle in of itself. And the fact that he can feed himself and he can dress himself and he can do some of these things and he can verbalize a lot of his wants and needs, those are huge things, so huge. The fact that he can make more eye contact than he ever could before and that he does know how to ask some questions and he's really trying to work hard at these things and he's starting to learn to read and there's all these things that are happening for him that maybe if I didn't have him I might take for granted right like I think sometimes when we have neurotypical kiddos some of those milestones are just part of the run of the mill and it's you know just part of everyday life but when you have to work so hard for every single milestone you learn to celebrate everything that happens and I have appreciated that lesson that lesson is celebrate because I know that Henley Father celebrates when we overcome sin when we overcome trials and heartache when we learn and grow I think he's celebrating for us and with us and I think that's an amazing lesson that we can all learn that 
whatever it is, even if it's small, to just celebrate it, to feel joy about those things because it's worth it. I want to share a scripture with you that I love. It has always been one of my favorites and I've come back to it often because it's been such a strength to me in the trials that I've been through and especially with this one. Like it has been very powerful for me to remember this verse. So Mosiah 24 verses 13 through 15. And it came to pass that the voice of the Lord came to them in their affliction saying, Lift up your heads and be of good comfort, for I know of the covenant which ye have made unto me, and I will covenant with my people and deliver them out of bondage. And I will also ease the burdens which are put upon your shoulders, that even you cannot feel them upon your backs, even while you are in bondage. And this will I do, that ye may stand as witnesses before me hereafter, that ye may know of a surety that I, the Lord God, do visit my people in their afflictions. And now it came to pass that the burdens which were laid upon Alma and his brethren were made light. Yea, the Lord did strengthen them, that they could bear up their burdens with ease, and they did submit cheerfully and with patience to all the will of the Lord. You guys, this scripture is gold. I love it so much. I have come back to it so many times because it has helped me through so many of the trials of my life. And I just love that he is telling us that we can have comfort because he knows he's made covenants with us and he's going to honor those. He will deliver us. It may not always be in the time, in the way, in the manner we are hoping it to be, but it will happen. And often, I'm going to say probably always, these burdens, these trials, these heartaches are there for a purpose. And they're, they stay there for a while often because we need to learn something from it. This is how God teaches us. This is how we come to rely on him is through these burdens, through these heartaches, trials, afflictions, right? He's saying, I will visit you in your afflictions and I will give you so much peace and comfort. You're not even going to feel it on your back. Like, what an amazing promise. You can be in this storm and happy in this eye of the storm because you have this comfort from God and you can be with him and he will be there to strengthen you so you can bear up your burdens with ease. Like how amazing is that promise? I want to make it clear that I don't think Evan is a burden. I don't think Evan's autism is a burden. What I think can be a burden is that having an autistic brain in a neurotypical world is different, right? There's nothing wrong with him. He's different. But in a world that is scared of different and in a world that does not embrace difference, that's the burden, right? Like that's what makes it hard is that he doesn't fit in the norm. And our culture is afraid of things that don't fit in the norm. We're afraid of what we don't know. Which I think can be an invitation to all of us to to look at people and their differences and not see them as something wrong, that they're just different. And to learn to embrace and love the differences between us and know that we all have things that we need support in and we all have things that we have strengths in. Like when people ask me about Evan and want to know about like what level he's at, how he functions, things like that. I had the hardest time for years trying to explain that and answer that question. So I finally had this like beautiful moment where I feel it was the spirit that told me how to explain this to other people, especially when I'm talking to little kids. So I'll say, hey, what's something you're really good at? 
and they'll tell me. They'll say, oh, I'm really good at blah, blah, blah. I say, okay, what's something you're not very good at? Like something that you're working on. And they'll tell me something. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And I might include myself like, hey, I'm really bad at math. And I'm really good at talking to people. Like those are the things that are like I have a strength in and then this is the thing that I need support in. And then I relate it to Evan. Evan's really good at memorizing movies and acting out movies and being funny. He needs some support in being a friend. He's still learning how to do that. He's working on that, right? So I frame it in this, there's strengths and there's supports. And when I frame it that way, it gives an equal playing ground for all of us. Because we all have strengths. We all have things we need support in. And that that doesn't make us bad or wrong. That makes us different. And that's okay. And that there is so much beauty in being different. And there's so much beauty in learning to love each other and love the strengths and love how we can support each other. That that's an amazing gift we can give each other to do that. And going back to that scripture, it says that he does this for us so that we may stand as witnesses for him hereafter, right? That we can share that witness. So I want to share my witness with you that... God does visit in your burdens and in your heartache and in your pain that he will always be there for you. All you have to do is ask. And I could share a million stories, but I'm going to share one last story about Evan and about something that I felt was a very tender moment for me. So just recently in Relief Society, we were talking about the conference talk called um, Infuriating Unfairness. Yes. And we were talking about gratitude in your trials and being grateful for the lessons we learned from those trials and she had us you know spend some time to write down some of those things and write our thoughts about it and I had that opportunity to ponder and to think about you know what I might learn from that and this thought came to my mind and it was very precious but it came to me because I was thinking about Evan and about his social skills and how it's been really hard for him to learn how to like make friends and he doesn't have like a typical friend right like he has buddies in like his school and his cousins he thinks are best friends because they are right like but he doesn't have like a neurotypical friendship right like your maybe your kiddos might have it's his friendships look different right and there's times that I watch him try to play with other kids and I watch him like want to be a part and he gets rejected and he gets shut down and it's painful to watch as a mom and that had been heavy on my heart that day because something had happened recently and I was feeling very emotional about how hard he tries to be a friend and it just doesn't pan out for him and so I was thinking a lot about that and I had this thought come to me that you know right now um, while it's hard for him to make a friend that I can hold space for him to be his friend because we are best buddies, me and Evan, and I love spending time with him and he loves to be around me and we are friends, right? Like I'm his mom and I will always be his mom and I hold boundaries with him and I discipline him, right? But like we also have this like sweet relationship and so while he's learning to make a friend, I get to hold space for him. And it made me think about how The Savior holds space for me. I don't know if I'll ever get remarried. I don't know if that's going to happen in this lifetime. I don't know what my future looks like. 
but it can be really hard to be single and to not have a partner in my parenting and to not have a partner in life. But I know that the Savior is holding space for me and being that comfort for me and being that partner for me. And I can go to him and I can talk to him about what I want to do with my parenting, what I want to do with my kids. And he is filling that space. He's he's holding space for me, right? So in this small, tiny way, I can be just a little tiny bit like the Savior to hold space for someone while they're waiting for their miracle. And that gave me such perspective and such peace to know that, one, that Heavenly Father loves me so much and that he gave me this gift. He gave me this gift to be Evan's mom. I have struggled so much with feeling adequate. And then he gives me this kid who requires so much of me and has taught me that I am adequate, that I am enough, and that with him I can do anything. And that he gave me this child so that I could learn and that I can grow. And that Evan's sent here to teach me, he's sent to teach all of us about courage, about compassion, about how to celebrate life. And that's a miracle. So I want you to know that I can testify and be a witness to God's love, to Christ's compassion, that the comfort that the Holy Ghost can bring in your life, that those are real and those are there for you at any time. You can feel peace even while you're in bondage, even with any trial that you are going through. Evan's autism is not going away and the trials we face because of the way that he is are not probably going to go away. Right, But I can be strengthened and I can have peace and I can have comfort because there are certain things about his autism that will get easier, right? Because again, there's nothing wrong with him, but we live in a world that doesn't embrace and accept difference. So because of that, we will have trials probably the rest of his life. And that's okay because we all have trials the rest of our life. Nobody gets through this life without a trial. I promise the people that you think are just skating by and not having any problems, they're just not telling you. We all have problems, we all have heartache, and we all have a Savior. That's what I need you to understand, is that we all have a Savior. And He has gone through everything you've been through. So every time I cry myself to sleep, I know. I know that He's felt that. And I know that He can help me because He understands perfectly how I feel. He knows how scared I am of the judgment that I receive. He knows how scared I am to send Evan out into the world. He knows that he loves him more than I do. And he knows how to help me help him. So whatever it is you're going through, I promise that God will help you. I promise he is there. Thank you for being with me this week. Thank you for embracing and accepting my emotion this week. And I'll see you next week. Thank you for being part of this conversation. If you want more, go to my social media at HeyAnnieJoy or my website, AnnieJoy.com.